0: So we are starting a new series today, and my guess is when you see the series graphic, you have one of two reactions, right? Your first reaction would be, yay, we're going to talk about baseball, right? And your, the other reaction might be, oh, man, I don't like sports. Okay, well, to tell you, first off, if you're in the first camp, okay, I, I regret to inform you that we're not talking about baseball. If you're in the second one, you'll be pleased to know that we're not talking about baseball, right? We're just using this theme, right, of a season in the minors because, one, it's fall, right? And fall is when baseball is most interesting. And But also, as we know, in baseball, there's all these different leagues, right? And there's the major leagues, and there's the minor leagues. And we know in baseball, it is the minors is the one below the majors, Right? Now, in Scripture, as we look at this, this, what this series is about is about the minor prophets. And we're going to look at the minor prophet books. And, and so we're going to, um, that's what we're looking at. And today, we're going to kind of set the foundation for, for why we have major prophets. We have major prophets in the Bible, and we have minor prophets. And, and look at all of that, which really has nothing to do with baseball, but it's just a good play on words, and it makes for a great picture. So as we look at that, as we start today, I, I will say, uh, invite you to open your Bible, but instead of opening to a specific passage, I invite you to open to the contents page. Okay, open to the contents page of your Bible. If, if you're with us, in person, you have your own Bible, you can do that. If you're here and you don't have your own Bible, you can use the ones in the seats. If you're with us online, maybe you have a Bible close. Um, But open up to the contents. This is a page that that we hardly ever look at unless we can't find the book we're looking for, right, in in, in the Bible. And so we find this, again, is a list of all of the books of the Bible. And so we are talking about the series. We're going to be looking at some of the minor prophet books. And as you look at the the table of contents in your Bible, you see a list of all of the 66 books that make up the Bible. And and here is, again, a picture of all 66 of them. Uh, if you look at the Bible, again, you can notice it's divided into two Testaments, the Old Testament and the New Testament. And, and, you know, this common question as you look at the Bible, maybe you don't know, but why are the books in the order they're in? And, again, they are not chronological. Okay, so they do not go from the time period of when it started to the end. That's, that's not why they're not in that order. They are also not grouped by author. There are forty different authors that wrote books of the Bible. They're not grouped together by author. They why they are grouped together, um, and why they're in the order they're in is by the form of literature that they are. And so, as you look at and you see here, even in this graphic, and as you look at your table of contents, you see there's just a list of books, but but they are they are in a specific order. Okay, they, they're in an order based on their type of literature, right? The the first books is the Law of Moses, right, or the Pentateuch. And then the, 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 the books following that are the historical books. And then we have the poetry books, and all the poetry books are together. And then we have the major prophets, and, and all of the major prophets are together. And then the last 12 books of the Old Testament are uh, what we're going to focus on in this series, and those are known as the minor prophets. And then we have this, this break right into the New Testament, and the New Testament is put together a similar way as the Old, but there's different forms of literature. The, we start out with the Gospels, and the Gospel is the story of Jesus, of his life. Right? We have four of those. And then we have a history book, again, of, of, of Acts, which is the history of the, fir- of the first church after Christ's ascension. And then we have all of Paul's letters are together. Those ones are grouped together by author, because all of, all of Paul's letters are together. First are all of Paul's letters to, to churches or cities, and then we end with Paul's letters to individual people. And then we have all of the other New Testament letters, right, from the other authors, and there's several ones, right, and those are all kind of grouped together. And then we end with one more book of prophecy, with the book of Revelation. So that's why they're in the order they're in. And so now, now as we look at this, right, is, is we are spending some time on minors. And, and just like in baseball, sometimes uh, the minors get uh, ignored. Right, People don't pay a lot of attention to the players in the minor leagues until they make it to the majors. Right Now, now as we look at these books, again, we have these major prophets and these minor prophets. And, and yet these, these books sometimes are easy to ignore. Part of it is because they're small. Right? Some, a lot of them, the minor prophets are only a few chapters long. Um, as we see that, though, um, we're going to look at, again, why they're called minor prophets. We're going to look at that a little bit later. But, but first off, as I want to start out, is notice we have uh, these prophecy books, which is, makes up a, a large chunk of the Old Testament. And, and so as we look at them, first we have to ask the question of, uh, of well, we have lots of questions, and you, you might have more questions now as we look at this than you had before you got here today. But So today what we're going to do, we're not looking at one specific book. Today we're going to just ask, answer some common questions about the minor prophets, right? And we're just, we're laying the foundation for what we're going to do for the next few weeks as we go through some of these minor prophet books. So just fair warning for you, okay, is that this is a very content-heavy day. And so I, I would say I'm apologizing for that. I'm not apologizing for that because we need to We need to learn, right, about how our Bibles are made up and the foundation of what we're studying before we jump into it. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at today. So we're answering some common questions. The first common question we're going to look at today is, what is a prophet? Hey, what is a prophet? Um, Because a prophet is is who wrote these books. And uh, the major prophets and the minor prophets, most of them are named uh, for the, the person that wrote it or the prophet that wrote the book. Okay, so what is a prophet? Um, a prophet is a spokesperson for God. It's a spokesperson for God. It's somebody who uh, hears from God, gets a revelation from God, a message from God, an, an explanation from God. And then their job as a prophet is to then communicate that message to who God needs them to, to tell. Hey, okay, now as we see, again, this was primarily an office held in the Old Testament Okay? And, and they, these prophets, again, were, were commissioned by God, they were called to this office by God, and their role was to be the mouthpiece by which God speaks to His people. And, and so again, that when we see that and know, what a prophet says is not coming from them, right? They, they're not giving their opinion. They are literally representing the words of God. that what they speak are coming from God through them. And so, when we read the prophets uh, in, in the Old Testament, right, is that we're reading literally God's word to the people. And so, now as we look at that, because uh, the next question is when you understand who a prophet is, right, they are somebody that hears from God and then gives a message um, to, to the intended audience. And, and for most of, of the Old Testament prophets, the audience was Israel. Okay, not always, right? Sometimes it was a smaller group, but 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 the, especially for the major prophets, the, the, the message was for the entire nation. Right now, as we look at that, the next logical question is why do we not have prophets today? And, and I'll tell you: is we don't. Okay, we do not have prophets today in the same way we had them in the Old Testament. So that that again we set that premise, right, which leads up to this question, why do we not? And I'll tell you is that uh, is one of the things that makes Christianity unique because other world religions believe we do. Okay? In fact, um, our LDS friends believe we have prophets today. Okay? And we believe we don't, okay, and that's kind of the foundation. I'll show you why we don't have them today and why that is a foundational, uh, important point to our faith. Hey, there are two main reasons why we do not have prophets today. The first reason is it's the church answer. It's Jesus. Hey, because of Jesus. The reason number one why you don't have prophets today is because Jesus was the final prophet. Because Jesus came, right? And, and he taught us what we needed to know about God, that he was the final prophet. In fact, we can see uh, Jesus' reputation that, um, that was out even as he was teaching. We see in Luke 24, 19. It says that Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. This was the the widespread reputation of Jesus, and it was an accurate one, that Jesus was a prophet. He was sent by God. He had messages from God to give to to the world. And and again, the, the role of the prophet was to reveal who God is to the people that need to know, and that's, that's all of us, right? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He revealed all that we need to know about God, because he was God in the flesh. Right? As we start out, that's exactly where John starts out his gospel, right? is the word became flesh. I mean, and who better to hear or to learn about God from than God himself? Right, and that's, again, the foundation of uh, how we see Jesus is that he was 100% human and man, but he was also 100% divine. Right, and so we see Jesus, again, was a prophet. And we, we know that. And now Jesus himself explained why he was the final prophet. Okay? In Matthew 5, 17 and 18, again, this is Jesus' words. He says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So, in Jesus' says clearly, right? He's like, I have not come to, to do away with all of the writings of the prophets and, and of all of the Old Testament ideas and, and the messages they brought. I'm not coming to, to, to abolish that, right? The law that Moses gave and the Ten Commandments and all, all of that, the, 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 the law is built upon those Ten Commandments. Uh, that, that all still applies, right? And it still will until its purpose is achieved. Now, the next question, and maybe you've already kind of thought that in your mind of, of what's its purpose, right? What is the real purpose of the law? The law's purpose was to make us aware that we need a Messiah, right? It was to make us aware of God's standard. It was, and, and, and the purpose of the law was for us to realize that we fall short of that standard, right? That we cannot get there on our own. Even if we do, and again, that was like, look at the Pharisees, right? Who Jesus had a lot of interesting words for, Right, the religious leaders of the time, they were really good. They were the best at the law. Right? And yet Jesus tells them over and over and over again that they missed the point. Right? The point was not to live perfectly in the law, because even if you do, the law still will not get you to the same level of holiness with God. And we see again the foundation of our faith, foundation of the gospel message, right, is all have sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. Right, as part of the purpose of the law is to show us that we cannot earn our salvation ourselves. Again, a prophet's job was to communicate new information about God or about what God was doing. And Jesus revealed everything that we need to know about God and his plan, especially his plan of redemption, his plan of salvation as Jesus ushers in the new covenant of grace, Jesus has shown us everything that we need to know. And that's what it says is that he fulfilled it, right? The purpose of the law was to make us know that we need a savior. And and, and so Jesus fulfills that, right, in being our savior. And so, but the law still exists because its purpose isn't fully achieved, right, until we are with God in heaven in unhindered relationships. Right, and that's when we receive the fullness of our salvation, and that is when the purpose of the law is complete. However, it, the law is not being added to, right? because Jesus was the final prophet. He's revealed everything we need to know about God, and so nothing needs to be added. There are no new commands that need to be given. Right? And so the law's purpose, again, the law is complete but not fulfilled until we are with God in heaven, right? until we find our salvation through Jesus. Again, we cannot fall, save ourselves. We fall short of God's glorious standard because of our sin, which, which, is, which causes us to pause right here and, and to say that is the most important point, is are you surrendered to Jesus? Have you received him as your savior? Have you walked through the door of salvation? Right? Because that is the purpose of the law, is to show us that we need to do that. And we cannot get there on our own with our own power, with our own strength, with our own might. Again, we can try and try and try, but we will always fall short because we have a sin nature. And yet we need a Savior. And also, God knew that, right? And He, which is why He sent Jesus. Now, God loves you even if you haven't received him. God, God wants you to be a part of his family, right, to be adopted as God's child. And, and that happens when you pray and receive Jesus as your Savior. Again, if you have not done that, to say is that that's why we need Jesus, right, and I would encourage you to say that's, that you, you, that's the first step of your faith, to establish your faith, right, with a Savior through Jesus. So the first reason why we don't have prophets today is because Jesus was the final prophet. Okay? The, the second reason why we don't have prophets today is because today we now have the Holy Spirit. Again, Jesus told us that, uh, and that's exactly what he told the, the first century church, right? The, to the disciples, right? When he commissioned them as apostles, the, the last thing he said was, It's better for you that I leave, that I ascend after his resurrection, so that I will send the advocate, the Holy Spirit. And that's what the interesting thing to know, even as whenever you read the Old Testament, remember, right, that the people in the Old Testament did not have the Holy Spirit in the way that we have the Holy Spirit today. They, 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 and that's why they needed a prophet, right? That's why they had to hear from God through a prophet, was because every believer did not have the Holy Spirit living in them the way we do now, after Jesus. And and so, because now uh, we we see, right, that... that we don't need to hear from a prophet today because we have the Holy Spirit, that God can speak to each of us individually, right, in a way he didn't then. In Ephesians 3.5, it says that God did not reveal it to the previous generations, but now by his Spirit, he has revealed it to his holy apostles and prophets. And God spoke through the prophets because they heard from the Holy Spirit, and their job was, again, to communicate to those that didn't have the Holy Spirit. But now we all have the Holy Spirit. And we can all hear directly from God. And, and, and now we see here, right, that, that there's two different roles that are called out. There's apostles and there are prophets. You know, an apostle is, is, is a, a New Testament role, right? One that was uh, that, that God, um, that Jesus passed the baton of leadership to the apostles, Right before he ascended to heaven, once Jesus died, he rose again, right? and and once he's resurrected, he appeared to the apostles multiple times, right, and commissioned them. That's when he he passed the baton of leadership from him as the Messiah to the apostles. That's what the, again the great commission is that we look at so often at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Right, it was Jesus passing the baton? Right, from him to the apostles. So when you look at an apostle, apostle is different than a prophet in a few very distinct ways. If to be an apostle, there was there's several biblical requirements for an apostle. Okay, the first one is that they had to have seen the Lord and been able to testify of him and his res- resurrection from their own personal knowledge. Okay, all of the apostles had seen Jesus in the flesh, okay, even in his resurrected body. They also an apostle must have been immediately called to the office by Christ himself. And now, which again was most of the disciples, right, that were with him as Jesus was preparing them for that. Kind of, as you think about this requirement, this is exactly why when you look at one of the, the most uh, biggest New Testament authors, right, Paul, where he was not a disciple of Jesus, but notice this is why Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus, right, and called him specifically, right, to be an apostle. So, again, they were called directly by Christ, right, into this position. The the third requirement is that that it was essential that they should be uh, infallibly inspired and thus secured against all error and mistake in their public teaching, whether by word or by writing. Again, as the apostles wrote the New Testament, that's who wrote the New Testament, that they were inspired by God, right, and that they would be, um, again, what they wrote was, again, just like a prophet, not from them, but from God. Right now, we still see some of their human personalities come out in their writings, but but knowing that what they wrote, right, was inspired by God as an apostle. Another qualification was that they had the power of working miracles, right, that they had, again, God's power was working through them in ways that it wasn't working through necessarily every other believer. And so as we look at these requirements of an apostle, we realize that, the first kind of class or group of apostles that were ordained by Jesus, right, and that wrote our New Testament, um, that by definition, they could have no successors, right? That that when those apostles physically died, right, that there was nobody coming behind them, unlike the prophets of the Old Testament, right? God did not appoint uh, the next people, right? And and, that the the apostles, again, died with their their first-class of apostles and they were the only authoritative uh, teachers of the Christian doctrines and the office again of apostle ceased with its first holders and which again we see which is why our Bible is complete right it's why we're not having more books of the Bible written Is right? because again nobody's qualified today to be an apostle and no one today is a prophet because Jesus was the final prophet. We read here in Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. It says, no, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In those last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Now, now, here we see there's a couple significant things here. And Why I bring this up is, again, this is in Acts chapter 2. This is at Pentecost. This is when the Holy Spirit was poured out, as it says, on all believers, right? This was predicted by the Old Testament prophets, all right? And that's exactly what it says, right? It was predicted by Joel, right, who was an Old Testament prophet. And we see as the Holy Spirit is poured out on all believers, this is again why we don't need prophets today and also you know, why we can hear directly from God. God can talk to all of us individually through the Holy Spirit once we accept Christ. And that's how you accept the Holy Spirit in your life is when you accept Christ as your Savior. And the Holy Spirit does all kinds of things for us. Not only does He speak to us, but He also opens our eyes to, to the reality of who God is and, and again, of, of what God's doing, of what God even meant in Scripture. And, and again, as a believer, when you read Scripture, you read it through the lens and the help of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's also something that's important to remember is when you're talking to an unbeliever, you know, a family member or a friend or a neighbor or a co-worker that is not a believer in Jesus, is that Scriptures will not... They will not interpret them the same way you do as a believer. Right? They won't make sense in the way that they make sense to you because the Holy Spirit is guiding you as you read it and opening your eyes to what it means. Now, the Holy Spirit will reveal enough to them, right, for them to to, to a knowledge of God, right, of the gospel, so that they can surrender their heart and, and open again. The Holy Spirit is absolutely active in a non believer's life, but in a different way. Right, with the idea right, of, of them finding a saving knowledge and surrendering their life to God so that they also can receive the Holy Spirit and their eyes can be opened. And again, that might have been your experience. Think about your conversion experience. When you prayed and accepted Christ as your Savior, right, then you started to see the world differently. Right? Suddenly, Scripture started to come alive in a way that it never had before. And, and again, that's because of the Holy Spirit being present in your life once you are saved so God can talk to all of us as individuals. We don't need a prophet anymore. However, we notice here as well is that we do, though, in the New Testament, we move from the office of prophet or title of prophet to prophecy being a spiritual gift. Okay, that's exactly what this is talking about here in Acts 2. Now we move to just a new phase of what prophecy means. Okay, God can talk to each of us individually through the Holy Spirit, and we do have people, again, it is, it is described in the New Testament. We don't uh, see it as often, again, it kind of in our tradition as we do in like a more Pentecostal church. They practice this gift a lot more openly. And, and, um, but again, God can work however God wants to work, right? It's in here. And, and I'll tell you, there are people within our church, right, that have some of these kinds of gifts. Right? But somebody who has the gift of prophecy, and again, we go deeper into this in Journey Class 3, so if we talk about the spiritual gifts and what they are and how you get them and kind of all of those things, okay, but uh, but just quickly, right? Is that somebody who has the gift of prophecy today, right? Is similar to prophet. They hear from God. They might have a message, but but if that message is for a person or or what it is, is it is going to be confirming something that God has already said or done, right? And that's the difference. Okay, is that in the Old Testament? you know, office of a prophet was they were giving new information from God, right? Where somebody in, in again, believers today that have to get to prophecy is, is they will give a message, right, uh, uh, perceiving what God's doing, explaining that perhaps in your life. I've had prophecies spoken over me by people, right? and yet, but it's not new revelation, right? It's things that are confirmed in God's word, Right? And also usually confirmed by other people or by things that God's already speaking to me about. Right? And this is very important. We've got to think about that because we are also told all throughout the New Testament if we have a prophecy that is given right, through somebody who has to get of prophecy is it has to be confirmed. Because we are warned over and over and over again about false prophets. Right? And that there are wolves in sheep's clothing Right? And that, that we have to be, again, very careful right, of, of what we hear. Again, if somebody claims it's a prophecy or from God, right, then, again, God is the God of truth. Right? And it will be confirmed not just through that one person, but, but through his word and through other Godly people as the Holy Spirit confirms it right, through lots of different places and ways. So again, very different, right? The, the role or the, the office of prophet and compared to a believer today who has the gift of prophecy. Those are very, those are different things. So as we see this, right, we understand that there's a big chunk of the 66 books of the Bible that are prophecy. And so as we look at that, I, I want to start, move on to the, the, the foundation, right, of how should I read and apply prophecy in my life? Right, as a follower of Jesus, as a student of the scriptures, how do I, how do I read and apply it in my life? As, as we already looked at, at this, this Again, the table contents of your Bible and looked at the, the 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 makeup of it. The reality is, there are eighteen of the sixty-six books in our Bible are 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 prophetic books. Hey, there's the the major prophets, there's the minor prophets, and then there's Revelation, which we just studied in our last series, right? And and that's the only book of prophecy in the New Testament. Hey, now as we look at that, and again, the Revelation is a very different prophecy than than the ones in the Old Testament, okay? And and again, John, the apostle John, was the one who got that vision from God and wrote it down in the book of Revelation. And I will say that prophecy is the most misused form of Scripture. It is the most confusing form of Scripture. And so we have to be, because we know that, we have to understand how to read it and how to apply it. Hey, now what I'm about to share with you again is just kind of content heavy. If, if it just goes over your head, then it can just go over your head, and that's okay. You can just trust that, that, that for those that get it, and we're interpreting it, and we're going to work through it together through the series. Okay, but, but, um, but what I'm about to show you is why we stopped our study in Revelation with chapter 3. Okay, it's why we didn't go through the rest. And, I've, and people ask me that question. Why aren't we going to go through the rest of Revelation? Okay, and, and, and say because, again, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why here in a minute. Okay, but because of what I'm going to tell you here um, it is why we didn't continue through the rest of the book. Okay, and so now the reality is instead of getting it wrong, right, or being further confused, most people just don't read it. Okay, which is why it gets ignored a lot in our Bibles. Okay, so here's the foundation of how you read and interpret prophecy. The first is we must understand that there are two purposes for prophecy in the Bible. Okay, the first one is forthtelling. Okay, so this is divinely inspired explanation of current or recent events. Okay, and a lot of the prophecy in the Old Testament is forthtelling, meaning like they, they read it and it was explaining a situation they were in right then, right, of what God was doing, or something that God was going to do like soon, right, like within the, a year or two. It, it, it was very connected to the, the time when it was written, right, is the message that God gave, forth telling I would say most prophecy in the Bible is foretelling, by the way. Okay, now, the, the part of prophecy that everybody wants to talk about, or the more popular part, is the second purpose for category, and that is foretelling prophecy. For- Divinely inspired predictions of future events. A okay, foretelling prophecy. And this this is typically more confusing because it hasn't happened yet, right? The, the foretelling one, we can look back and it fits with something that happened in history, right? Or whatever's going on. A, 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 this is typically more confusing. It can seem vague and truthfully it is because, I mean, it's all a guess. There's no specific times or dates or things that, that's giving specifically. So we have these two purposes, okay? The next one is we also there are also three different categories of prophecy. And so for any time we read prophecy, we must first... No, it, which purpose is it and which category does it fit in? Because we get a drastically different conclusion, right, if, if we choose the wrong one. Okay, so the first, the, these three categories. There is general prophecy, which is explains current situations when it was written. Okay, the, the second one is messianic prophecy, descriptions of the chosen Messiah. Okay, messianic. Okay, and this is, again, about the chosen Messiah. And we believe the chosen Messiah was Jesus. That's the foundation of our faith, right? that Jesus was the Messiah. And then we have the third one, which is end times prophecy. And this is prophecy that's foretelling the events of the end times, of the end of the world, of the second coming of Christ. So, So we have general, we have messianic, and end times. Now when we look at this, we have foretelling and foretelling, we have general, messianic, and end times. It's important we look at this because every piece of prophecy in our Bible fits into one of these categories and one of these purposes. Okay, now it's because of these two um, purposes and three categories, okay, is why we have not continued to go through Revelation verse by verse, right, from the stage. Okay, and I'll tell you, is, is again, Revelation, We, as you know, we, we follow, we studied Revelation 2 and 3, okay, which is the churches. Okay, uh, the churches, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are foretelling general prophecy. A okay, foretelling general prophecy. Now, at the end of Revelation, Revelation 20, verse 7 through 22, verse 6, is foretelling end times prophecy. It was just talking about, again, the new heaven and new earth, and the white throne judgment and all that, right? It is foretelling. It's happening in the future, right? And it's end times prophecy. Okay, now, everything in between those two spots in Revelation, right, from from chapter 4, right, up to the first part of chapter 20, is that um, biblical scholars over thousands of years have debated where it switches. And so, again, some think that the majority of those chapters are foretelling end times, right, meaning it hasn't happened yet. Now, there's another camp of biblical scholars that thinks it's it's more foretelling general prophecy, just like the first two chapters about the churches, right? And that most of it already has happened, right? Every biblical scholar agrees that both purposes and all three categories are present in Revelation. But what they don't agree on is when it switches. And everybody knows it does, right? And so that is why, again, we end up with different biblical scholarly views on what Revelation means. Because if they're put in different purposes and different categories, it, we come to drastically different conclusions using exactly the same text. And it can be even somewhat controversial. If, I just, I, if, you, if you don't believe me, just Google End Times. Now to say it, that's why we're not going into it, because I'll tell you, is that there are people in our church that are have very differing views. Right? And, and so we're not going into it because the reality is, is when it, it doesn't really matter. Right? Because again, it is vague, it is confusing, right? It's like when does it switch? Well, and, and if we can talk about that and work through all that, and okay, so if it's this, then what does it mean? If it's not, but the reality is it has nothing to do with the gospel. Right, what is very clear in Scripture right, is those things we just talked about. Right? Jesus is the final prophet. He is the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. Right? That we are to be walking with him. We all fall short of God's glory. we got to surrender ourselves. Right? That is very clear in Scripture. We know exactly what that means. And the reality is if we are living that out in our lives, right, anything that's in the middle of Revelation doesn't change that. Right? And, and because at the end of Revelation, right that we know is foretelling in times, right, the white throne judgment, if we are walking with God and, 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 and living out our faith and, and living the gospel every day, walking through the door of salvation and walking through the door of discipleship and doing those things, God wins and we are on God's side. And that's why we're not studying the rest of Revelation together from the stage. Was I unclear? Oh, okay. Next question. Why are these called minor profits. Yeah, like I said, it's not like baseball, right? Where like the minor leagues are, are the, the second second class you know players. Okay. That's not why they're called minor profits. Okay, think about this concept. I just want to kind of set aside for a moment and think about um, you know, is this a minor boat accident? Okay, no. Right? Is this a minor parking mistake? No. Is is this a minor soccer injury? No. Yes, I'm going to switch it. I'll I'll do it, okay? I switched it. (laughs) Why are these called minor prophets? Think this in your head, right? Those are not minor situations, right? But they are very specific ones. And that's why these are called minor prophets. Not because of what they address is minor, this is major stuff. They still reveal the character of God and, and the way he interacts with his creation, which is still incredibly important. Right? And so the, the messages that are given through the minor prophets are just as important as the major ones. Right? They are just as, as valuable to us. Right? But they, they're minor because they are typically shorter. They're smaller books. Okay? And they typically only address one or two issues. Right, where the major prophets, like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel, they cover things like big picture stuff, they cover lots of years, they cover the entire nation, right, and all these kinds of things. There's just a lot bigger things that affected a lot more people, and that's why they're major prophets versus minor ones. They, they, again, they dealt with smaller groups of people on more localized issues than the major prophets. That's why they're minor prophets. So the, the last question I want to address is why should I care about the Old Testament stories that have nothing to do with Christ? Why should we care? Why should we spend the next few weeks looking at minor prophet books? Okay, what, why does it matter? And to answer this question is, is in this, I'm giving you my goal for us going here right, as a church and why we're studying the minor prophets. The first one is we're going to see how prophecy, especially the minor prophets, is an important piece of the Bible, and we're going to stop ignoring it. God put it in there for a reason, so we're going to study it. It it is an important part of Scripture, as as important as the other ones that we look at all the time. The the second one uh, is is we should care because we will gain an understanding of God, of his character and how he fits into our everyday lives. It was how he fit into their lives, the original audience. Right? And like I said, most of it we're going to look at is forth general prophecy. Right? It was for a specific group of people at a specific time and something they were facing. But yet we see, again, the bigger picture of who God is, uh, of how, and, and how he loved them and how he loves us, and how he continues to interact with his creation every day. And ultimately, that's the goal of our faith, right, of to continue in the journey, is to have God interacting with us through our everyday lives, right? Not just on Sunday morning. Right, not just on religious holidays, right? not just when we're having hard times, but every day of our lives. And that's what the prophets show us. Again, a common theme of the minor prophets is God's sovereignty, of God's authority over all the earth and time, and that he has the power and the right to act as he sees fit. And that absolutely is a big issue in our world today, just like it was then. something we still struggle with. So as we see that, again, we are going to start next week. Like I said, we're diving right into to the, one of them that we're going to cover. Okay? And so we're going to look at Malachi next week. Um, so we're going, to, we're going to look at the next few weeks, we're going to look at a, a book a week right, of one of the minor prophets okay? and just kind of see those. Um, and you've, if you've been in church a while, you might remember we did this series uh, a, few, a few years ago, but we're doing different books this time than we did then. And so, again, if you, if you want to see, we covered, like, Jonah and some of the more popular ones of the first time, so you can go back through the archive and find those if you're interested. But here's our final thought for today. Because for 2 Timothy 2, uh, 3.16, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right, even the minor prophets, right? That description of Scripture includes the minor prophets. And so we're going to dive into this study through the next several weeks. So as our, as our worship team closes us today with a song, I just encourage you to think, and like I told you, this is more content-heavy today, right? It's not, but I hope it's encouraging to see the foundation of Scripture and, and how we're going to study it, why we're going to study it. But I just encourage you as we close today to say, what is God speaking to you about? Because God is speaking to you through the Holy Spirit. You don't need a prophet. Right, even if you're an unbeliever, God can still reaching into your life and, and, and asking you right, and pushing forward in your faith. What's the next step you need to take? As you sing this last song, I encourage you to take that next step, encourage to that, right? Is whether it's receive Christ your Savior or commit to the next step or just, just falling deeper in love with Scripture, whatever that is, let's, let's fulfill it this next week. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that you sent the final prophet. Lord, you showed us everything we need to know about who you are, God, through your chosen Messiah. And God, we thank you for the truth of your word. God, that we can sit down at the table with you, God, that you will open our eyes to what it means and to what we need in our lives. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. God, that that we can receive that gift through our, our salvation, but God, that you walk with us in every day. And God, I pray that as we go this week, Lord, that we will carry your spirit with us. Lord, that we will shine your light. God, that we will fall deeper in love with with scripture, with who you are, and learn, Lord, about how you're, you're stretching us and transforming us. And God, how you love us so much. We thank you for that today. And God, as we go this week, help us to live out our faith every day. We praise you. We thank you. Guide us as we go.